When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, the following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Fantasy Baseball Show. It's Hall of Fame time. We're talking Fantasy Baseball Hall of Famers. We're ranking catchers, and we're talking with Eric Katz about all things ALE, AL East and Major League Baseball news. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Fantasy Baseball Show. Play ball! Welcome in to an all-new edition of the Sports Stove Fantasy Baseball Show presented by Righteous Felon Jerky, SeatGeek, and BellyUpFantasySports.com. We've got a great show lined up for you today, and we're going to kick it off by introducing the co-host of this show. He joins me every Sunday night, at least when work allows him to. He's the senior fantasy writer from BellyUpFantasySports.com. He's the one and only Kevin Wilson. Uh, hey, Kev, how you doing? Let me get you. I got to push the right button. I'll get you there. There we are. Hey, Kev, how you doing, man? I'm live. Cool. (laughs) We're doing great. Uh, it was a great day across uh, North Texas here. We had some, uh, some sunny skies and some nice temperatures. So unlike the last couple of times where we were in the freeze box, just like you today, we're doing well and, uh, had some, some football going on today. So we are doing well here. We want to welcome in all Baltimore fans. It's officially baseball season in Baltimore. And uh, so welcome into the program. That's Glad right. to give you a little bit of a relief uh, after the yeah, earlier happenings right. of today. A little today. boost. Booster so, shot uh, right here. Yes, right. So we're, we're ready at Raring and ready to go. Want to welcome everybody in. Like I said, uh, quick shout out to our sponsors, RighteousFelon.com is where you can join the flavor revolution. If you go to RighteousFelon.com, you can type in the code STOVE15 at checkout. You're going to get 15% off your purchase. I have some of my favorite flavors right behind me here on the wall. And uh, actually, I just had the uh, bootleg and barbecue again this week, which is my favorite flavor. I came in this week and had that. uh, did not last very long. Uh, But you can try it for yourself. Again, RighteousFelon.com. The code is STOVE15 for 15% off your purchase. Uh, BellyUpFantasySports.com, where you get all things fantasy, um, all kinds of articles, including all of Kevin's articles uh, right there on the website. You can get that. And then SeatGeek, we'll talk about them here as we introduce our first segment of the night, which is our Fantasy Burner. The Fantasy Burner segment is presented by SeatGeek. Uh, You getting ready to head to the Super Bowl? Well, you go to SeatGeek.com. 
You getting ready for your baseball tickets? SeatGeek.com. You getting ready to buy your ticket to begin live for the Sports Stove Fantasy Baseball Show? See, well, okay, maybe not that one, but <laughs> SeatGeek.com is where you want to go. Uh, use the code BellyUpSports at checkout. You're going to get $20 off your first purchase there at SeatGeek. Um, so if you're looking for a ticket, that's where you need to head uh, and use that code BellyUpSports. All right, today for our Fantasy Burner segment, Kevin, we are looking at the uh, Fantasy Baseball Hall of Fame. Now, of course, we'll talk about the real Baseball Hall of Fame in just a few minutes. But um, as I was thinking through the week and what we wanted to cover today, I started thinking about some of the uh, great seasons in fantasy baseball history and which players should be inducted into the Fantasy Baseball Hall of Fame. And uh, so I've got three guys, you've got three guys, and then I've got one guy that I want to bring up to you uh, to get your opinion on, because originally I was thinking, oh yeah, this guy's a shoe in. Um, but then as I was looking through things, I thought maybe he's not. Um, so we'll talk about that at the end of the segment. Okay. But let's start off. Um, you and I agreed on one player. I want to start there uh, for okay. our fantasy baseball hall of fame. And that is the one and only Alex Rodriguez. Um, and you said it to me in a message. <laughs> I don't remember the exact words, but it was basically, I can't believe I'm doing this. Um, neither of us love Alex Rodriguez, uh, but you look at fantasy baseball wise and I go back to his 2007 season, 54 home runs, 156 RBIs, 24 stolen bases, bad, uh, 314 and average. So, um, and, but he was consistent for so many years, uh, right there at the top and helped a lot of fantasy teams, uh, especially in the early two thousands. Um, what is your, uh, your reasoning, I guess, for Alex Rodriguez? Well, you know, as I mentioned to you, you know, when it comes to Alex Rodriguez, that kind of puts a hole right into my whole being because being in Texas, as you well know, yeah. he's like enemy number one up here because of the way that he forced his way out of, of, of the Rangers and wound up on the Yankees. But, uh, you know, when it comes to baseball, and especially at the shortstop position where you're looking for a premium at maybe not so much now because there are a lot of good shortstops, but back then you needed some shortstop help. And so when it comes to Alex Rodriguez, when you look at his stats, he scored over 100 runs like 13 straight years. Yeah. And that doesn't count, you know, all the home runs that he had. He led the home league in home runs four out of five years. It just goes on and on. So when it comes to home runs, and uh, RBIs and all of that, when you add that all in, he definitely deserves a place in the Fantasy Hall of Fame. Maybe not so much in the regular one, but, uh, you know, we, 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 we could talk about whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> he had the home runs. He had yeah. the runs. You know, he had all of that. So add that all together, and Alex Rodriguez definitely belongs in – the fantasy hall of fame and the nice thing about fantasy baseball is records can't be uh expunged uh, uh deleted erased uh no, even if you no. cheat so uh so it's still there you can put an asterisk right. beside it all you want he helped fantasy owners uh win championships and they don't care how he did it so, so we'll put them we'll no. put them in the hall of fame uh and that goes for my second guy as well barry bonds another guy had a storied career especially in the late 90s early 2000s uh, 2001 was the special season, 73 home runs, 137 RBIs. 
He also had 13 stolen bases that year, and and he hit 328. Um, Barry Bonds is a guy that again has a lot of history and asterisks and all that kind of stuff you want, but in in his heyday, fantasy baseball owners um, looked to Barry Bonds to help him win championships. He did do that, and he's another player that I would pretty much rather because you know a Dodger fan, and he was on the Giants <laughs> for so many years. But uh, and we talked before you know we came on, and I was going to cheat a little bit and and go way back in time and and add some players that uh, had some great seasons. But as you pointed out, fantasy baseball really kicked off in the 80s yeah and so i thought well who would be the first player that from that time going forward would be nominated to the fantasy hall of fame and i couldn't come up with anyone better than ricky henderson nice so he's my second guy especially in cats leagues yeah. where you know he'd stuff the ballots and and stolen bases <laughs> run hits you know, and, and, and walks. Yeah. And cause he did all of that. Plus he'd give you 25 home runs or so. And so, and he was so far out in front, even though in the eighties, it was the stolen base capital decade. And you know, there's a lot of guys running around, but he was so far out in front of everybody else. Yeah. So if you could have him, you know, right off the bat that you're going to stuff a lot of categories. And so for me, Ricky Henderson, if we're going to induct fantasy hall of famers, he would be on my very first ballot. Yeah. And I don't think there's any argument with that either. You look back to the guys who kind of established, um, you know, you talk about in the eighties, I think it was 1980. Um, it was a rotisserie league is how it got started. And, uh, but you look at the, those early days and then just the, the guys that impacted the earliest of fantasy baseball, Henderson definitely did that. And yeah, we talked about it um, again, the Babe Ruths, the Lou Gehrig's, the, um, uh, uh, oh no, I just forgot some names. But anyways, obviously their stats would have been great for fantasy baseball. Um, and uh, But we decided to kind of gear it towards that guys that actually helped people win. And uh, those guys did. And then we each picked a pitcher as well, uh, Kevin, because you can't leave out. Actually, pitchers are probably the easier ones to find um, for fantasy relevance, I think. But, uh, but we both picked one. What was the pitcher you went with? I went with a guy who who established consistency the whole time he was in the major leagues, and that's Greg Maddox. And so, uh, you know, you pull up his stats and whatever you want to look at, you know, because he won 16 or more games, something like, like 15 straight years. Yeah. And he led the league annually in ERA and batters faced. and and he didn't walk a lot of guys. He wasn't the strikeout guy. Certainly not like the one that you're getting ready to mention. Yeah. But uh, everything else, he had it. You know, he, he kept the hits down, the runs down. And so if you wanted a guy that you knew was going to give you stats and wins, Greg Maddox goes to the top of my list of over. There's a lot of guys we could talk about. Roger yeah. Clemens and some of the other guys. But uh, for consistency's sake, especially if you played Dynasty back in those days, Greg Maddox would have to be high on that list because you knew full well he was going to make 35 starts. When you look at some of this stuff, you know he made 35, 34, 35, 37, 35, 36 starts all the time. Yeah. 
And, you know, when you talk about today's baseball, people's arms start to fall off if they make 30 starts. Right. But he made 36 <laughs> and 37 and stuff like that. So, yeah. For consistency's sake, Greg Maddox gets my vote. I think that's good. I, I, when I was growing up, the only kind of fantasy baseball I knew was Dynasty. And uh, we had friends who they had him and his brothers. I mean, they had Major League. They had Minor League. They had the whole system drafted out. And it was incredible. And they did it all by paper, of course, uh, back then <laughs> as well. But uh, my, my selection was Randy Johnson. Uh, again, I was in high school just watching Randy Johnson hurl the baseball. Um, 2001 and 2002 were electric years for him. Uh, 2001, 21 and 26 record, 2.49 ERA, 1.01 whip, 372 strikeouts in 2001. And 2002, he followed that up, by the way. Uh, 2001 was the year Barry Bonds hit 73 home runs also. Um, but in 2002, he went 24 and 5. 2.32 ERA, 1.03 whip, and 334 strikeouts. The dude was, um, well, he was as scary for opposing fantasy teams as he was for batters. I mean, the guy was going to do what he did, and no one was going to stop him. Right. And if you remember back in the, that one All-Star game, and I'm trying to remember the player, he was... Uh, yes, uh, 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 Krug um, from Philadelphia. And, uh, yeah, and uh, he went up Krug. there and, and, and just... You know, stood there, John Crook. That's right. Yeah. And so, if you're a lefty hitter, you wanted absolutely nothing, <laughs> whatever, to do yeah. with Randy Johnson. And yeah. so, uh, so when you come to talk about dominating pitchers, especially in that era that you talked about, because the Diamondbacks won that World Series mm -hmm. because they had Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling, but uh, yeah. and Craig Council, but whatever. Um. No, no, we are not <laughs> mentioning him if that's I remember right. correctly. So. We so, got a yeah, pregame so Craig Council fight. Would certainly have yeah. to go on on the list of out, most outstanding fantasy players. All right, let me give you the, the player real quick that I was thinking of. Um, that he was good, but I don't know that he fits in this category, especially in our first uh, induction of people. Um, but King Felix, Felix Hernandez. Um, it seemed like there were some years there where he was easily the number one pitcher and uh, and was phenomenal. But uh, like I said, his numbers really didn't match up with with these guys. No, it didn't, and uh, maybe it had a lot to do because he pitched for the Mariners. Yeah, and after uh, we could do it, yeah. right? And so uh, you know, from two thousand, we mentioned two thousand one. That was the year that the Mariners won one hundred and sixteen games, I believe it was. Hmm. But uh, didn't get back to the postseason until what last year? Last year, year, yeah, you're right. And so, uh, so he pitched for some pretty bad Seattle Mariner teams, and so you know, you don't want to. You know, deduct points for bad teams, but especially for know, pitchers. Stats stats. Yeah, I mean, right. look at Jacob Degrom. He's he—that's one thing you look at. No doubt, he's a Hall of Famer. Um, but his but team he win twelve killed. games a year. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's let's keep it. We got a guest waiting, so we'll we'll keep it moving. That's your fantasy burner segment today. Hope you enjoyed it. Comment your thoughts on who should be that's in the right. fantasy We'd baseball. We'd like to hear what people have to say in this. Yes, era. definitely. So comment uh, if you're listening on on uh, YouTube or Facebook. Throw a comment on there who you think should be in. Uh, Fantasy Burner presented by SeatGeek. SeatGeek.com. Use the code BELLYUPSPORTS for $20 off your first purchase. It's now time for segment number two. We like to call our call to the pin.
Our call to the pen is presented by Righteous Felon Jerky. Like I said before, it's time to join the flavor revolution, and you can do it at RighteousFelon.com. Use the code STO15 at checkout. You're going to get 15% off your purchase. Uh, it is now time to welcome in our first guest of the season, Kevin. Uh, we haven't right. had any other guests on the show. We've kept the seat warm. Well, I don't know about that. That might be over (laughs) over pushing a little bit, Kevin. Uh, He is the Belly Up Sports Article of the Year Award winner. He puts out baseball articles uh, like his life depends on it. He's the one and only Eric Katz, and he joins the program uh, tonight. How you doing, Eric? Good. How's it going, fellas? Thanks for having me. Hey, man, we love having you on. We've, we've talked about your articles uh, already this season, uh, the last couple of weeks that we've been on, and, and we've given you a lot of props because at Belly Up, there's no one putting out more content than you, let alone more baseball content than you. It's uh, it's It's been nonstop, and it's a good thing uh, as well. And uh, congrats on the article of the, the year award as well. And uh, there's a lot of articles that go out, so to win, that's, win that's a pretty big deal. Uh, yeah, he beat our, me, Vincent. I'm still trying to figure out how that happened. Well, Kevin, here's what it is. You start the year really good, but then when you get to crunch time, you always just end up second. And uh, <laughs> that's that's Kevin's fantasy baseball motto. Uh, finish, Start first, finish second. Um, <laughs> that's cold. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, but not this year. I know Kevin's gonna Kevin's gonna take it this year. I just I know it's coming. Um, anyways, back to Eric. Um, Eric, uh, let's start off with some of the news. The news that I want to talk about is Reese Hoskins to the Hoskins to the Brewers. Um, Brewers were in desperate need of a first baseman. We've talked about this on the show as well. Um, I was all for Carlos Santana coming back. There have been some talks maybe Joey Votto would be a fit, even though he's he's past his prime. Um, but I, we all knew that Bowers was not the answer in Milwaukee. And now Reese Hoskins signs coming off the ACL injury. I'm ecstatic about it as a Brewers fan. So let's get a non-biased opinion from Eric. What's your thoughts on the Hoskins sign? Personally, I was surprised they actually went after him. I just didn't think that they would personally go after Hoskins because he's a he's a Boris client, and the Brewers generally don't deal with Boris Boris very much, just given given like how given the way that they run their team. I personally thought it would be Santana or even Votto because Votto, keep in mind though, Votto hits very well in that ballpark. Yes. And so like, you know, it's, he's got like a, I personally thought it'd be one of them. Maybe like, you know, they wouldn't be very expensive because they're well into their career at that point. And, you know, there's plenty of upside there. And the Brewers had success with snagging a guy off a rival, snagging a guy off a, off an in-division team and had some success like they did with Andrew McCutcheon in 2000 and, and 22 didn't go to the playoffs, but you know, that was, um, but we, but, the, but Andrew McCutcheon wasn't the reason for that. Right. Yeah. And I'll tell you, um, I, I'm with you. I'm most surprised by it as well. It's one of the things I didn't really talk about. I had mentioned it once on my, my Wednesday show, but I really didn't think it was an option for Milwaukee. And I, and listen, I really do like Carlos Santana. I'd still be happy if they brought him back. I think for the locker room as well, I think there's a lot of good that comes with Carlos Santana, but that being said, I'm, I'm definitely happier to have Reese Hoskins on the team. I think it makes them better. That gives them more flexibility on the infield. They've mm-hmm. they've been kind of moving around some small pieces um, throughout the last couple of years, and they've got a, a loaded outfield at least with young talent. Whether or not they mm-hmm. perform is still a question mark. But um, infield was really the help. They needed help with pitching too, but uh, there's still time for that. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited about it. Kevin, did you have a thought on Hoskins signing with the Brewers? I thought – there was 
zero chance that was going to happen. And so uh, he can be a very exciting player and uh, can hit the ball. We've seen him hit the ball and it goes like 390 miles and stuff like that. So the only question is, is he completely healthy? If he is, that's a great signing. And we haven't done probably next week our first base rankings. And he's a player that I'm sure that will be mentioned in there at some point. But uh, he's a guy who can go in there and and put together something for the Brewers that – I know you like Carlos Santana a lot more than I do. Yeah. I think that's an upgrade. So uh, yeah, oh, yeah. I, So a major upgrade for them. And uh, I really like that signing for the Brewers. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree 100%. Um, Arizona went out and signed Jack Peterson this week as well, which is, um, you know, when you look at San Francisco last year, they were swinging for the fence and they missed um, a couple different times. Uh-huh. Jack Peterson comes in. He actually had an okay season last year. Um, you just didn't hear about it. It wasn't what you were expecting or hoping for, at least if you're a Giants fan um, like Kevin is. But um, Jack Peterson <laughs> goes to the Diamondbacks, a young team that could use a little extra pop. I don't I don't know, Eric. How do you like the fit for Jack Peterson in Arizona? Love it. You know, he's he's the, Jack Peterson over the years kills right-handed, right-handed pitchers. The amount of damage we've seen him do so much damage to righties over the years. I mean, you, you put the NL West is loaded with them. And, you know, now that, you know, I don't think that San Francisco situation was completely on Jock Peterson because no. like aside from Thyro Estrada, who else? I mean, aside from Thyro Estrada, who good player in his own right. And, but aside from him, he's literally doing all the work by himself with maybe Wilmer Flores. Yeah. I mean, now you go to a Arizona Diamondbacks team, which is just coming off a world a World Series run, and a young a young team that I think kind of needs a needs a little veteran bat in there, and you know I think Jock Peterson could have a big year. Uh, Kevin, now that Peterson's off of San Francisco, uh, are you able to say nice things about him? Well, you know he's a Dodger, and, <laughs> yes, uh, you a know, former Dodger, former Dodger, yeah, and um, I guess. You know, Dusty Baker was a former Dodger and went and managed the Giants. So if I can forgive him for that, then I guess I can forgive Doc Peterson too. But uh, um, I I like that signing down there in Arizona. And uh, as Eric mentioned, you know, he's a left-handed hitter and he hits the ball against right-handers quite a lot. And he could show those young guys who really don't need a lot of teaching because they just made that run. Right. But uh I like it a lot. Just uh, hoping that you're not looking for great defense out of him. But uh, other than that, I, I like him in the batter's box. I mean, he could DH. Um, you know, I don't I don't know what his role for sure is going to be down there, but uh, he gives him a little bit of flexibility in some areas as well. And I, I like it too. I think it's a good signing, smart signing for Arizona. And uh, and you know, it's we're going to continue to see. There's not been a lot of excitement. You had the Juan Soto trade. Uh, you had the Shohei signing, of course. There's, but there's still some moves to be made out there, some trades, um, a couple free agents. Bellinger's really the only free agent I care about at this point. Well, that's not true. Snell um, as well, Montgomery. But uh, there's not a lot of free agents I'm excited about. So I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with some of these possible trades, especially with the pitchers and things like that. Um, but let's go into the Hall of Fame. Three guys get uh, uh, inducted or elected into the Hall of Fame. Adrian Beltre, uh, Joe Maurer, and Todd Helton. Um, Eric, let's start with the three that are, that are in. Uh, all deserving, in your opinion? Yeah. 
Definitely, you know, Adrian Beltre, 500 plus home runs, 3,000 hits. I mean, you know, what's there, what's there not to like about that? I mean, you know, great career, obviously a Hall of Fame career. You know, no one, no one covered, no one covered a lot of ground at third base better than Adrian Beltre. Todd Helton should have been in, probably a, should have been in a long time ago. They were just for some reason the old, the old, the old baseball writers probably should take up golf or um, using the Colorado Air against against him. And Maurer, I was a little surprised he got in on the first ballot. Don't get me wrong, you know, three, you know, three batting titles by a catcher. That's impressive. And but, you know, I was a little surprised they put him in on the first ballot just because, you know, just I wasn't sure if he had enough games considering how banged up he was over the years. And, you know, he eventually had to switch over to first base and was really robbed of his power at that point. And he just was essentially a slap hitter. I. I agree. I think Todd Hilton, I've, I've, I've been a Todd Hilton fan for a long time growing up in Tennessee, um, him playing football at Tennessee. You know, that's mm-hmm. kind of where my Todd Hilton fandom comes from. Hey, um, man, he took his job. Yes. Uh, well, I, I like to think he gave it to him. Uh, Todd did, <laughs> but, uh, but either way, it doesn't matter because Peyton was going to take it. Um, mm-hmm. But Hilton, uh, you can't take playing against in Colorado against him. You have to understand he, you play where you are and, right. and he played and he played well um, and because there's a lot of guys who've played in Colorado that have not had the uh, the stats that Todd Hilton has, he, so I think you got to give him that. You also sure. have to hit. You also have to hit on the road too. That's Correct. Right. <laughs> you also have to play on the road. You also have to hit the ball on the road too to be a Hall of Famer. So it's yeah. not like you can bash bash it all bash it all over Coors Field and then go to a place like Wrigley Field and go and and have a and have a golden sombrero every yeah. time you're there. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kev, these three guys, uh, you like you like the selections. I, I, I like them a lot because, you know, I live in Texas. I saw Adrian Brailsbury play in person. And, uh, you know, Eric, as you mentioned, they signed him originally in Texas because of his defense and not knowing, well, because he had a great season in Boston, but he was not that way when he was in Seattle. No. And so uh, when he came over here, they were wanting his defense, which he certainly gave him. But all of a sudden, then he was hitting 30 home runs and driving in runs and, and, and getting in the clubhouse. And, 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 and that's where he really made a lot of difference, I think, is in getting in the clubhouse and getting guys in the right frame of mind. As long as you didn't try and touch his hair, everything <laughs> was, was good to go with him. And so when I, when I was looking at, you know, third base has the fewest members in the in the baseball hall of fame and so he definitely deserves to be there when you talk about players like you mentioned that had 500 home runs 3,000 hits the gold gloves and everything else he matches up with any of the third basemen that are in there and uh i read some things that uh some of the other guys uh that are in the hall of fame that you know, like Mike Schmidt and all that, saying that oh yeah, Adrian Beltre definitely belongs, and I I agree with that, and uh, so he definitely goes, and uh, Todd Helton was a guy like like Eric said, you got to hit on the road, which trips up almost all Colorado Rocky hitters, <laughs> but uh, he was still he would mash the ball, and uh, Joe Maurer was a guy, I don't know if he was if he was behind the plate more often because you know without the injuries or whatever, I think he would have been more of a lock because that's such a, you know, a a starved position over there. And uh, so, but I thought that, yeah, he deserved to be in. And the player that I thought that really 
kind of gets hosed is the is the closer, who had what what seventy three percent, something like that. Billy Wagner. And so Wagner. Eric, that's yeah. who I'd really like to hear your opinion on is uh, Wagner, and what what does he have to go out there and and sing Kumbaya, or what is what does he have to do to get in? Well, generally though, when you're like close, especially he's going to have the final ballot boost as well to um boost his um. Boos his numbers, I mean, guys who voted against him in previous years, I think are going to vote for him now because he's there. So he's got that boost going for him. Plus, generally, the rule of thumb is when you're at, when you're like just a vote or two short of getting in, you're generally going to get in. It's what happened to, um, it's what happened to Jim Rice on his final year on the ballot. And it's, um, so really, I think next year is going to be his year. I mean, shoot, he was a terrific closer for a long period of time, especially with the, um, especially with the Astros. And, you know, he was consistent. I think, unfortunately, though, he played in – he he unfortunately was overlooked, and here's why. Because he played in the same era as Mariano Rivera and Trevor Hoffman. Trevor Hoffman was there at that point in time. And Francisco Rodriguez was also there. So, really, it was just – unfortunately, he was just – had to deal with the, con- the consequence of being – just playing in the wrong era where at that point in time, during the 2000s, we were spoiled with great closers, and it seemed like every te- it seemed like every team had a great closer. Yeah. Uh, now Gary Sheffield was on the last year of, of his ballot opportunity, and it didn't help him enough. He still fell short of what sixty three percent, I think, something like yeah. that. Um, the Gary Sheffield deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely, five hundred nine home runs, and you know, no one at that point in time was like nobody at that point in time was better in the and more feared in the batter's box in than Gary Sheffield. He everywhere he went, forget how it ended, just about everywhere he went, you know, he um, you know, he was productive every single team he played for, except for maybe at maybe at the end there. But by that time, the guy's like forty years old at that point. And that's and you know, and the technology to keep guys going until they're forty plus, it wasn't wasn't around then, um, but. You know, no one was more fear in the batter's box. Five hundred nine home runs. Five hundred nine home runs. I mean, the guy was only accused of using steroids. He was. He didn't actually use. You know, at least that we'd know of. But he was just. Again, it's like he was on the like, list. He, again, it's like it basically it was a kangaroo of court. You're guilty until you're proven innocent. Mm-hmm. As long as long as you're off the as long as you're off a list, you should be good, especially this day and age. Um, you, but yeah, I was disappointed that he didn't get in. Obviously, I think you guys might have read the article. I said ripping, ripping the writers for it would be wrong to keep him out, and you know I still stand by that. I think it is wrong that he's out. Hopefully the, hopefully the today's game committee, whatever the, whatever they call it, um, whatever they're calling it these days, I hope they can rectify that that wrong and and put Gary in where he belongs. Yeah, oh, they're saying maybe five years from now is when it'll start to come back up again for him, and they'll make some sort of resolution or rule or some way exception to put him in and get him in there um, as well. Let's talk though about the AL East and transition. Um, I want to make sure we got enough time for our rankings here in a few minutes. We won't go deep in detail on these, um, but I do want to talk about the AL East because I was intrigued by some of the win totals uh, this year for these teams. Uh, let's start off. We've got, of course, it's the Orioles, the Rays, the Blue Jays, Yankees, and Red Sox. Um, the biggest addition in this uh, division was the Juan Soto addition. Of course, the Yankees also brought in Verdugo, Trent Grisham, who I absolutely love, and Marcus Stroman into the rotation. 
The other teams really didn't add much. The Blue Jays added uh, Kiner Falefa. Well, okay. Uh, Red Sox added Vaughn Grissom. Uh, Tyler O'Neill, who I actually like Tyler O'Neill, And Lucas Giolito, who's a pretty solid, I think, addition as well yeah. for the Red Sox. But that's not Juan Soto. It's not, it's not going to match up. And then Baltimore's got the young Jackson Holiday um, that'll be coming up and playing along with the other young guys that they've got around as well. Um, but when I'm looking at this from last year, Baltimore goes 101 wins, Tampa right behind them at 99 wins, the Jays at 89, Yankees at 82, Red Sox at 78 um, in last season. Eric, what team were you the most surprised about last year, whether it be Baltimore being good or the Yankees being bad or something in between? I was surprised just how Baltimore, really how well, how just good Baltimore became just instantly. Yeah, lot, yeah. the year prior, they kind of went on a little heater there and were we're playing some relevant baseball in September, but no, but I didn't think they had enough pitching to really yeah. take to really take them to the places they ended up going. Which obviously we saw what happened in the playoffs, where their pitching eventually did let down, which I knew it would. And so that was what I was most surprised about last year. But you know, Baltimore, obviously, um, Baltimore just you know they had a little comebacker on the um, on the Rays, which you know which was a bit surprising. But you know, the Rays were had you know like i said the raise way they throw they throw their pitchers into the ground yeah. and they um straight into the dodgers <laughs> no, well that's one guy tyler glass now <laughs> and and maybe well they threw emmanuel margot while they were at it yeah and but you know i was a little surprised with just how great baltimore was from the get-go kevin you and i talked about this last year i mean we both said baltimore be improved but neither right. one of us had them at 101 wins 101 wins no and, uh, you know, Eric, you just mentioned, you know, the uh, Tampa. And uh, you, you wrote an article, which I found fascinating, a couple, was about a month ago now or so? Something like and, that. And uh, you pretty much, you know, said, well, Toronto, you know, pretty much get off my lawn kind of thing. I don't, because I don't hate the Rays as much. <laughs> everybody else has kind of been all up on, on Tampa Bay as being one of the classic run franchises in baseball, but you had another opinion. So I'd like to hear a little bit from you, per, you know, in person. You know, when you started that article, was that what you thought you were going to say? Or did you find out something while you were researching it that led you to that conclusion? Well, I kind of just did the math, though, because, you know, yeah, which just for just to just to just to get this out there, I have I don't have as a as a division rival, I don't necessarily have a, a, a giant vendetta against the Rays, as people might think. Um, so I just want to put that out there. I mean, the Red Sox, that might be a different story, but, def but not, the, but not the race, but I just was kind of doing, kind of doing it when I was watching their, their guys arms just go down like year after year where some guy, whether it be in their major on their major league team or in their minor league system, needing Tommy John surgery and is out for a long period of time. And then also looking at pitchers who didn't pitch in the league for long periods of time. Cause up until Blake Snell, the last guy to pitch extensively in Tampa and still have a long career in baseball was James Shields. Mm. And, you know, say, say what you will about, say what you will about James Shields, but still he managed to find himself a job every, every season. And so like looking at that, I was like, wow, this, this, this is flawed. And also the fact that they've been bounced out of the ALDS every year, they're no better than the Moneyball Oakland A's right now. <laughs> I mean, yes, they do well during the regular season. You know, which, you know, again, you have to do that in order to, you have to ultimately go through that, qual those qualifying heaps each month to have a chance to even 
to even be in the dance and potentially and potentially go to the World Series. Also, they haven't gone to the World Series in a full year since 2008 when they found themselves against the against the Ryan the Ryan Howard juggernaut Philadelphia Phillies. Um, but you know when you when you do when you look at it all, you know, yes, it gets into the playoffs, but none of it matters unless you win a championship. We've all seen Moneyball. We all saw that quote at the end where it's not going to matter. Basically, essentially saying it's not going to matter unless we win a championship. Yeah, I mean, talk to the fan bases though. I just had this conversation with Lou Gamelin uh, on Wednesday about the Lions and the Packers. Like, I'd rather be a Packer fan, which I am. Uh, and go through 30 years of near misses uh, to the Super Bowl versus be a Lions fan and go through 30 years of never even sniffing. So um, so I think that if I'm a Rays fan, I I don't think I'm – well, first of all, I'd, I'd buy a ticket. But, <laughs> yeah, but uh, anyways, um, let's hit win totals real quick because I'm intrigued by these, and then we'll close with the Yankees. Um, Baltimore, who won 101 games last year, their win total set at 87 and a half. Um, which would be a fair fair drop off um, from where they were last season. Uh, Tampa, who won 99 games, they dropped to 84 and a half, which I don't think is surprising. Toronto won 89; they're at 86 and a half. The Yankees won 82; they are the highest win total at 93 and a half here in the division. And the Red Sox, uh, who finished 78 wins, is at 80 and a half, uh, according to the Vegas uh, setters here. Um, so I want to talk about the Orioles at 87 and a half and the Yankees at 93 and a half, Eric. Um, do you think the Orioles would drop that much in win total or do you think they're sniffing 90 wins again? I think they can get up to 90. They return relatively the same team from last year. They only are really missing a few. They only really lost, you know, a couple players like who are like big contributors like Adam Frazier as well as, um, what's his name? Um, Kyle, Kyle Gibson. And also Aaron Hicks, who they got like in the middle of the year last year. So really, they only lost like three players. So so and obviously Felix Batista being out hurts. But they yeah. also signed um, they signed Craig Kimbrell, who veteran closer, knows pitched in a bunch of bunch of big situations in the postseason and regular season. And also in case that goes south, Yanir Cano's there, who proven who's proven he's a capable who can who I think will be a closer in the future. And you know you have him right there. So really, you know, with with everything on with with everything they have on that team and how they grow how they grew exponentially the year before, I think you know they can sniff ninety again. Uh, and then the Yankees, though, I mean, you're a Yankees fan. Uh, last year, incredibly disappointing, and yeah. uh, this year, the expectation bringing in Juan Soto, especially, has gone has gone up. Um, I think it's the same expectation that was probably last year that just didn't get met. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you bring in Juan Soto, you know, the expectations may, I mean, the fan base's expectations every year is to bring home a championship. That's just, yeah. that's just the way, it, the way it is, no matter what their team looks like. Um, but you bring in a Juan Soto, I, I don't think expectations have been, I don't, I can't, the only time where I think expectations have been this high, I'm talking really sky high, was 2009 when they, when they went on a free agency a spending spree and got brought in Sabathia, they brought in AJ Burnett, Nick Swisher. And, and Mark Mark Teixeira, you know, I think, you know, I think you can argue, you can make, the, I mean, this team's a little different because it's not, you know, they weren't primarily a lot. Those pieces weren't primarily brought in. A lot of them were, have already been there. And also some, a lot of them are homegrown as well, which, you know, you, you put, you put that together. You add a guy like Soto, especially in his walk year, you would bet, you know, 
it's a championship or bust year again. It really is a championship or bust year. So, you know, I mean, the AL East is going to be tougher. And, you know, you have with, with a guy like Soto, you know, you're expected to win. You, you know, going through an entire regular season with a, with a pro, obviously a protege like, like, Juan, like Juan Soto, who, you know, I think everyone would beg their prospects to become. <laughs> like really beg, like, you know, maybe be up to that, be up to that caliber of player like Juan Soto, you know, yeah. you're, you're expected to win. And it's, and if you win, you got a better chance of bringing them back, which granted it's going to be complicated because, you know, the dark, the emperor Boris is, is hanging in the background. Right. But you're, but you're expected to win. And, you know, it's been, it's been 14 or 15 years since the Yankees last one and the fan base is starved. Starved indeed. Um, we're going to close out this segment so we can get to our rankings. But um, even though Eric is too chicken to join our fantasy baseball uh, mm-hmm. league, um, we're still happy to have him on the program tonight. Uh, Eric, tell the folks uh, about the article you, uh, I think, just released or released yesterday. Yeah, and then what's coming up? Vince, well. The Cincinnati Reds you talked about. That's right. That's right. The Reds. Well, I think the Reds, you know, you saw last year a really, a, you know, you were seeing a, you were starting to see a core for him there with, with guys like Spencer Steer, who I think is going, who I think is due for, who's going to have a breakout year. You also have Ellie De La Cruz, man, what a player. And you also have, you know, you, you got a lot of young talent on that team. Matthew McClain, providing he stays healthy. Jake Fraley, I think, I think can be that guy, as well as no, Novelli Marte. You know, you've got a young core right there. And also Christian Encarnacio Strand, yeah. you know, that's a young team that's hungry. They were playing some relevant baseball in September. And I think they can have a very similar Baltimore Orioles like resurgence. And if, if I were, as long as their pitching staff stays healthy and consistent, yes, they have a great, they got a terrific bullpen. Alexis Diaz is electric, kind of almost, almost as electric as his brother, Edwin in New York. And you know, you've got a solid, you know, solid, solid, re, solid, relief, solid bullpen where you, where I'd feel comfy in the seventh inning, turn over, turn over the game to, to one of them saying, here, get, get, get this done. And then ninth inning, that's it. Game over. Kind of like how it was with, you know, another, a, another terrific Cincinnati Reds team during the nineties, the nasty boys. Um, and you, you have all that in there, but the question is how will their starting rotation hold up last year? We saw they were we saw them getting eaten a lot, nicked up by injuries all season long. Heck, Nick Lodolo, a young arm of theirs, he only started seven games last year. Eleven different starters made starts for the Reds last year. You can't have a, a rotation that's out of sorts. You can't have that. Well, the local radio station said this week that they've got ten guys who could be in a rotation, so uh, they're excited uh, in this area. I will say this about the Reds, and I'm sure I'll say it plenty of times throughout the season: the higher yeah, the ahead, expectation, Jim. the harder the fans fall. Uh, it's going to be a painful year in Cincinnati because they got hope, and it's going to get crushed. Uh, Eric, you can find them on social. You can find him on social media at Sports Team News. You can find all his articles on BellyUpSports.com, including his award-winning articles uh, there as well. Eric, we'll get you back on throughout the season, but uh, I mean, I sure appreciate you coming by tonight. Sounds there good. Thank you so much, guys. It. All right, that's Eric Katz from BellyUpSports uh, and BellyUpSports.com as well. That's segment number two presented by Righteous Felon Jerky. RighteousFelon.com. Use the code STO15. For 15% off your purchase, let's enter into segment number three, the Fantasy Focus. 
All right, it's the moment you've all been waiting for, Fantasy Focus, where we rank players here in the preseason, uh, presented by BellyUpFantasySports.com, your one-stop shop for all things fantasy sports. Uh, right now, you can get uh, articles on hockey, baseball, basketball, even fantasy football articles still, still popping up here and there as well, all at BellyUpFantasySports.com. And again, that's where you can get all of Kevin's articles also. All right, let's get into catchers, Kevin. Um, okay. uh, last week, if people tuned in, they they learned that we are doing tiers this year versus one through right. ten rankings um, as well. And I'm really curious to see how your tiers line up. Um, I loved your tiers last week, by the way, Kev. Uh, but I'm excited to see how they line up this week. I think we line up with tier number one, but let's let you start that one off. Okay, so as I told you, uh, when I sat down here and I kind of went this way, then I was looking at things, and I kind of went this other way, but. Uh, I, I came up with some tiers, and in the top tier, there's one player and one player only, and uh, I'm pretty sure that we both have him, the same player, and uh, that's a player that you were on long before I think anyone else that I'm aware of in the fantasy community, and that's Adley Rushman of the Baltimore Orioles. He is by far superior in every cast you know capacity when it comes to catchers and the only catcher that i would consider taking you know mid eighth seventh eighth round somewhere in there and uh, all the other catchers that we're going to talk about would go way after him because when you look at this he's 25 and you know how many games he played in 154 wow okay so that means he missed eight games. So when it comes to the catcher position, I'm always looking for a player that you can put, because I only want one on my team. And so I always look for a catcher that can put in there and not have to worry about whether he's going to play or not, play three games and take a day off and all that sort of thing. Adley Rushman, don't have to worry about that. He's young. He's got power. He's got a great bat. So he is by far. The number one catcher in the land. He, um, you know, he because of his bat is why he plays so many games. Um, because even if he's not behind the plate, he can he can go DH and still hit, and he still has the opportunities um, there as well. Um, he will not be there in the eighth round, Kevin. Um, okay. His his ADP right now is thirty nine. Um, okay. So so he will so not be there. Round, then. That might be a little early to me to take so, a catcher. But yeah. if I was, you could talk me into that, I think. Yeah, so I'm a two-catcher guy. I like to have two catchers on my team for that same purpose. I need guys that I need to fill that spot every single day, and I like to have two guys. Um, I like to have – last year we had a lot of versatile, versatile guys that were eligible for catcher. They didn't play well. Um, yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, that was nice to have where you could have them play outfield and then catcher when your catcher was taking a day off. But uh, not a whole lot of that this year. Um, I'm with you. He's the only guy in tier one, too. I, I look at Adley Rushman. I, I mean, depending on how the draft goes, I wouldn't be completely opposed to taking him in the third round, but it would have to be the right situation as far as a major run on pitchers followed by a major run on some other guys. And it's just like, okay, well, it makes sense for me to take the best catcher. Um, he is young. He is healthy. That definitely helps. I think fourth round is the best, best case scenario um, for Adley Rushman personally. Um, but I, I love the kid, man. I've had him on, on a couple of my teams and, uh, and, and like what he gives you the value along with the, 
um, stability that he gives you at the position is a lot of fun. But I, I'm with you 100% on being the only one in that tier. Only one in that tier. And, you know, third or fourth round, he had 20 homers, 80 RBIs, and 84 runs, which is great for a catcher. But you could take a hitter in that round, per se, that might have 30 or four, more home runs that has more offensive capabilities so that's why i would push him down just a little bit in my rankings as far as overall yeah because you could get a guy that would give you more production in the third or fourth round than even adley rushman would yeah all right let's get into tier number two who, who you got in tier two okay so i decided to go with some veterans in uh my tier two i've got three guys okay in this tier. first is will smith of the dodgers uh-huh. And uh, even though I have him as a vet, he's only 28 years old. And uh, he's played in 126, 130, and 137 games the last three years. So he kind of meets that criteria that I have that you could put him in and, and not have to worry too much about it. And um, he had 19 homers, 76 RBIs, and only struck out 89 times, which is outstanding in today's game, which yeah. people strike out 100 and 78 times and don't think anything about it so i've got him at, at in that tier jt Rowe muto i've rarely rarely considered lowering him because he's 32 and he his production has fallen off every single year but he's still you know when you talk about catchers he had 20 homers last year 70 runs and so he goes into my tier right here and then the other veteran the veteran of my entire team, that's Salvador Perez. I have him ranked a lot higher than when I was reading about any other player because even though he's 33, he played 140 games. And on ESPN, he's the only catcher that qualifies at more than catcher, and that's at first base. Hmm. And so you could put him in a situation where he's that guy, then the only guy you need on your roster he had 23 homers, 80 RBIs. He was never going to repeat that year what he did a couple years ago where he had 48 home runs. That was never going to happen. But 23 homers, 80 RBIs, you'll take that from your catcher every single time. So I have him in tier two where a lot of other guys would probably rank him a little lower than I would. Including myself. Uh, I have JT Riomuto in tier three. I've got Salvador Perez in tier four. We'll talk about that when we okay. get to it. Um, uh, and, uh, nonetheless, um, I have Will Smith there as well. I think he's clear number two, in my opinion, um, behind Adley Rushman. Uh, I just don't think, um, the real Muto, the problem with him is his drop off. He was the eighth best fantasy catcher last year. Um, and so I just, I, I, I like JT Ramuto. I did not draft him last year. I ended up picking him up off of waivers because somebody dropped them, and I was like, well, I'll take that. <laughs> but but uh, um, I've dropped him to Tier 3. So I got Will Smith there. I've got William Contreras from Milwaukee. Um, his ADP right now is at 73. Last year he was the third um, best fantasy catcher with a, the second half of his season was better than his first half of the season. Um, again, I think the lineup is going to sit up nice for, for – well, first of all, let's go back to Will Smith. The lineup's going to be great for Will Smith because oh, they're going to—they're trying to pitch around the guys in front of him. He's going to get a lot of opportunity. Um, Contreras, he does not have the same lineup that Will Smith has, but he's going to—he sits in a good place. He's bats second uh, a lot of times in that lineup, which means he's getting a lot of at bats and opportunities. He is not your um, behind the plate or your DH 
as often as Adley Rutschman will be, or even Will Smith will be. Um, but I like what he's going to go and he's growing. His confidence grew a lot last year too. So I like him there. I've got two other guys in the tier, Kevin, and they're guys yeah. that no one else, I don't think would have in this tier. Um, but they're both relatively young guys, Jonah Hyman, Texas, who had moments last year that were phenomenal. Um, you can get them late uh, right now. His ADPs at 182. Um, but uh, Heim, he, last year he was the fifth best catcher in fantasy baseball, and I think he's going to get more opportunity this year than he had last year. Um, so I like him up higher. And the other guy, which is so hard for me to do, but it's Kiebert Ruiz, third overall, excuse me, fourth overall catcher last year. He plays in Washington, which doesn't excite me. Uh, but at the same time, uh, again, he's going to bat high in the order. And uh, he's going to get plenty of at-bats. And last year, he produced. Um, he was one of only four catchers in our league over 300 points. And uh, and so I put Keeper Rees up there in tier number two also. Okay, so I'm going to have some things to say about Jonah Heim in a little bit. Okay. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I like that tier. Because I've got, uh, in tier three, I got William Contreras leading off that tier. And uh, the only reason why I lowered him is because he struck out 126 times. Yeah. And so, uh, but he did hit 17 homers, 78 RBIs. He played in 141 games, which I really like. And this tier I call, like, established youngsters. Okay. Mm. And so, in this tier, I got William Contreras, Yanier Diaz of the Houston Astros. Okay. Kiru Ruiz that you just talked about. And then the player that I really had rising. And uh, that's Gabriel Moreno from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Mm. So that's my tier three. I see uh, Moreno being a guy that's really going to, you know, because he was in there last year. He was, you know, his first full year. And um, I like what he did, played 111 games. I think he's going to be in a lot more games this year. He's going to be in a pretty good lineup over there. So I put him in tier three. And, um, and a lot of people agree with that because ESPN has him ranked as the seventh overall catcher, yeah. which I was really surprised about. But uh, he's a guy right here that uh, if you're looking for a guy who's young and maybe you wouldn't have to put as much draft capital now, he's a guy. And I did have him a year ago, so I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, Moreno's a guy that you, if you're betting on him, you're betting on the potential. Um, you know, last year... He was the 21st ranked catcher at the end of the season. Um, I originally put him in tier three and bumped him to tier four um, just because as much as I would like to bet on him, I was afraid to. <laughs> so so I left him in tier four. Um, he might be a guy that people want to draft this year that I'm willing to let them take him a little higher than I'm willing to take him kind of a deal. I think he could be a very good player. I think that he could, um, you know, has that breakout potential for sure. And so I tend to be the kind of guy that likes to bet on that potential. But for whatever reason, at catcher um, with Moreno, I'm just not there yet. Um, I want to see a little bit more out of him before I start betting on um, that potential. So I'm hoping that other people um, like him more than I do. And maybe that lets someone drop to me a little bit further down. Um, so in tier three, I've got Real Muto um, there again, just worried about his drop off a little bit. I've got Sean Murphy there as well from Atlanta, um, and he's a good catcher, solid catcher. Um, but again, this is when I, I'm thinking catcher, I'm thinking I'm getting two of them. And so Sean Murphy is a guy I like in that spot. I also got Wilson Contreras here from St. Louis. Last year was such a disappointing year 
Um, but I just, I don't know. I believe that he's going to find his way back and, and be serviceable again. And, and St. Louis will be better this year than they were last year. I just feel like there's got to be some, some value in Wilson Contreras. Now here's one though, that you are going to absolutely despise. You're going to think I'm the stupidest person in the world. And we're going to have to revisit it when we come back to the end of the year. You're betting on Gabriel Moreno. I'm betting on, you ready for this, Kevin? You're not ready for Bring this. It. I promise you're Bring not. Bring it. MJ Melendez from Kansas City. No, come on. I uh, see. We played footsie with him for the last two years. And I'm going to bring a comment about him a little bit later on, too. Okay. You go well, I'm play. in. I'm in on MJ Melendez. I'm, I am buying. Um, I am hoping that everyone else is out on him so I can get him very, very, very late in the draft. His ADP this year is 229. Um, so that's interesting. And this is the thing that stinks about doing this show, Kevin, is we have people who will be in our league listening to this. And right. so they're going to know that I'm going to want them. So if they want them to, then, the then you got to fight on all that. Right <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'm in on MJ Melendez again this year. Last year I was in on Yelich and, and other people were like, no, nah, man, he's passed. And he's not as what he was as MVP years. But um, uh, he was a very serviceable outfielder last year. I think Melendez is going to be there. And again, giving that versatility, um, still eligible catcher outfield um, provides an opportunity that I really like. So, so that's my tier three, Real Muto, Murphy, Melendez, and Contreras. Let's go to tier four, our last two that we're doing today. Okay. Last uh, Jeff, year, yeah. Let me just say though, cause you, you mentioned him Melendez. And when I was doing these rankings, he does not qualify as a catcher in ESPN leagues. Is he not? He is not. He has qualified it in uh, fantasy pros. Not qualified. Uh, that's my so, bad. Yeah. So I, I I specifically made this conscious choice to check on him. Yeah. To see before I decided to play footsie with him again, and uh, he does not qualify at this time. You're right. I don't think he played a single game at catcher last year. No, he did not. I'm <laughs> aware of. So you know. So if he doesn't no, qualify right. as catcher, he has no fantasy value whatsoever. Yeah, he's uh, he's your last pick of the draft, or uh, keep an eye, put a flag on him, and see if he does anything and pick him okay, up. Okay, you're so, correct. I feel stupid for not checking that. Good job. Okay, so my last year is the guys that uh, are established veterans. I got Cal Raleigh here, and uh, only reason what you know he had 30 home runs, but 280 strikeouts in his last two seasons. In points leagues, that's death to me. <laughs> so, and they have him ranked as the sixth best fantasy catcher in both fantasy pros and ESPN. Yeah. Someone's going to reach for him and yeah. it won't be me. So you go ahead and do that. So, and in this tier, I got, you know, you mentioned Sean Murphy. He plays for Atlanta, excellent team. And um, the last guy you mentioned him also, Wilson Contreras, as you said, he had a very down year and, uh, but they're still betting on him because he's nine and eight respectively in uh as being a, a catcher yeah so someone's going to reach for him as well so i don't see value there so i put him in the last tier because someone's going to go and get him higher than in, i'll be willing to do it so these guys are in my last year yeah so i've got some guys that you've already talked about too yanir diaz salvador perez gabriel marino uh francisco alvarez i put in this tier as well um, and then I had a question mark beside Cal Raleigh and Mitch Garver. Um, Garver signs with Seattle. Um, and I, I just, I'm curious to see what that does to the attempts 
Um, how often, you know, if it was one of them going to DH some, how often are they going to be behind the plate? Um, is it going to hurt the production? All that kind of stuff. And I wondered if you had any thoughts on Raleigh and Garver being on the same team. That is, it's going to be interesting because when he played for the Rangers, his bat was better when he was actually behind the plate. And so, but he's not, he's not a great defensive catcher. Hmm. There's a reason why that they didn't want him back there, but they put him at, at DH and he didn't hit as well. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. And so uh, we're just going to have to see. And uh, but w- whatever they do, he'll be qualified as a catcher the entire year. And he'll hit enough, you know, at you know behind the plate to be continue to be a catcher. But uh, it's, I think that he's a better offensive player when he's behind the plate. But that hurts the team's defense. So they're going to have to make a decision what they're going to do here. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm not drafting either of those guys personally. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not afraid to put a flag on them and watch them for the free agency. But I won't be drafting a Seattle catcher this year um, in right. my drafts. Um, let's get to our sleepers, our best values, our worst values. Okay, um, okay so um, go I'm going to run this through this really quickly. Okay. Uh, in my value, uh, or not value, but rising. Okay. okay. You mentioned Francisco Alvarez. I've got him here. I've got Logan O'Hop here and Bo Naylor, yeah. catcher for the Cleveland Guardians, in this tier. That uh, you know Francisco played 123 games, but these other guys were were 51, 61, seven games, something like. And so they are going to be around all season. And so these are the kind of guys that I'm looking to take later on in the draft who can really have some great seasons and you don't have to spend the draft capital to get them. All right. So Logan O'Hoppy from Los Angeles or Anaheim, whatever they are these whatever days, are, the angels, them, I guess. Yeah. I am, I'm in on man. Um, and, and again, for me, I'm hoping late, late draft. Um, and now that I know you're looking to, it's going to make it harder, but uh, yeah. listen, last year, 200, uh, excuse me, 14 home runs. He batted 330, okay. 236. Not great. But I really think there's, I think he's the angel that's going to show up this year. And uh, I'm really excited to see what he has to offer. I think that he showed some promise and some potential. And I think that this is the year for him. Again, he's not a top, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think he's, a, I think he could be a top 10 catcher uh, in fantasy baseball mm-hmm. um, in that 9 10 range. Um, more likely to be in that 12 13 range, probably. Um, but, um, I really like what he can do this year. I'm with you hundred percent on, on Logan O'Hoppy from of the angels. Yeah. Cause he's ranked at 15th and 16th. Okay. And I think that he's going to well go beyond that. Yeah. And, um, and you know, I mentioned Naylor, he's 13th and 17th. And so he's another guy that you can weigh on a little bit and see how he hits in the spring training. And if you like what you see, go and get him. Yeah, and so uh, and he's a player that I have not heard anyone mention him. And the thing that I really like about him, he's one of the few catchers who hits from the left side. Yeah, and so he'll be in the lineup because most pitchers are right-handed, so he'll be in the lineup a lot. And so I see him getting extra opportunities where some of these other guys that are the majority right-handed hitters. All right, let's talk about the guy that we're hoping everybody else drafts higher than we want to. And maybe we don't think there's going to be great value value with. Okay, so that would be I got three in this tier as well. 
Tyler Stevenson, Alejandro Kirk. Well, two of them, actually. Okay. Because these two guys, okay, I want absolutely nothing whatever to do with, especially Alejandro Kirk, because he's got Danny Jansen right behind him. Yeah. They're going to split the catching duties back there. And um, it, it, even though he's 25, eight homers, 43 RBIs, not going to cut it. And so I want nothing to do with him. And Tyler Stevens is a guy who I've been on in the past, but it's not happening with him. And no. so I, I I want nothing, whatever, to do with Tyler Stevenson. So if someone wants to go and grab him, and they've got him ranked at 18th. And so uh, he, you would think he could be a value, but <laughs> I'm just not feeling it. Yeah, Tyler Stevenson's a guy uh, going into last year. I mean, he had first base eligibility as well. So it's kind of like, oh, yeah, this is a great guy. Um, no, he really wasn't. He really struggled last year. And he's on that Reds team. Um, but be careful for those Reds this year. Um, I've got one guy, and I mentioned it earlier when, when we had him in different tiers, and that's Salvador Perez. Um, listen, I said this last year, too, and I was wrong. Uh, so I'm just going to keep saying it until I'm right. Um, he's going to fall off. He's going to, he's eventually, he's old, man. He's going to fall off. Last year, he did have 23 home runs, 80 RBIs. Uh, he, he hit 255. Um, so that was good. His ADP this year's at 118. I just, Salvador Perez is a guy that I'm not going to draft. And, uh, and that being said, people like Salvador Perez. Now you mentioned he's got that multiple eligibility position eligibility, which is a positive thing, of course, um, as well. But I, I'm just I'm off on Salvador Perez. I really feel like the the floor is going to fall out on him at some point here. And now maybe he plays more first base this year, and that extends his career a little bit. But I just man, I have a bad feeling about Salvador Perez. So I'm 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 staying off of Salvador Perez this year, and I'm hoping everybody else drafts him as like their third catch, the third ranked catcher versus um, where he belongs to be. I think that you're probably that's what is going to happen with him. And I like him, but I'm certainly not going to take him that high. But uh, if he, he was to fall a little bit, because I like that multi-positional ability he has, but uh, he's not going to last as long as I would want him to. Because if he yeah. was there and we're in the 10, 11, 12s, you know, something like 13s, and he's sitting around, he's got massive value there, but he's not going to last. Yeah. And so, uh, but, you know, we were just doing tiers apart from – where we think they get drafted or whatever. So yep. he he went in the tier I wanted him to be in, but uh, as far as his his value is it's going to be over where he should be, you know, under, I guess. Sure. Under sure. underneath where he, he'll be drafted. So he won't be on my team either. Very good. Very good. All right. So next week we're going to look at first baseman. Uh and we'll run through those. We got some uh I'm sure some interesting conversations around first baseman for sure. Um Hey, we had fun with Eric today. Uh, he loves to talk baseball and appreciate him coming on and chatting with us. Again, you can find Eric Katz's articles on bellyupsports.com. You can get Kevin's articles, though, on bellyupfantasysports.com. Uh, what's what's in the hopper? Well, what's in the hopper is is um, I, you know, we talked about uh, starters last week. And so uh, I put out an article, Rising Starters for 2024. And uh, – you can be pretty sure that uh, whatever we talk about, there's be an article coming out along those lines because I already have an article shaping up for the uh, the catching uh, rising catchers. It's in the hopper now. It'll be released this week, so you can look forward to that. But uh, 
I did the the rising starters. I know that we talked about, and so you can get to the fantasy uh, website and and see that right now. And you can always find me at Twitter, Kevin six two W I L S E A. So check me out. All right. Uh, now what I've got going on this week tomorrow night, I've got the Sports Stove local hour covering EKU Sports. Um, uh, sent the request, looking to get outfielder Ron Franklin Jr. on the show. Head women's basketball coach Greg Todd hopefully joins the show as well. Wednesday night, me and Dad are back. We're going to be talking about Super Bowl. I mean, uh, the yeah, uh, right now the 49ers and Lions are playing. We already saw the Chiefs win. So me and Dad will talk about that. Now. Yes, and we'll, we'll get rolling on football still rolling through. Saturday, this is a rare for me. Um, Saturday, I will be hosting the Belly Up Sports NASCAR Super Show. Saturday at 8 p.m. over on the Belly Up Sports YouTube page. I'll be joined by some NASCAR writers. We'll be previewing the season, uh, talking about everything that's ahead. And this year, throughout the race season, on my Wednesday show, the Sports Stove Podcast, um, we'll have a racing segment every single uh, episode and be previewing and recapping races and things like that as well. So um, if you're into racing, NASCAR specifically, uh, jump over Saturday on the YouTube page for Belly Up Sports, and you can catch the Belly Up Sports NASCAR Super Show, um, and I'll be there leading the way on that one the uh the first race is saturday is it not the clash is saturday it counts for nothing but uh but it's there and uh so that's the first first kickoff of the season daytona will kick off the sunday after the super bowl february the 18th which is when we really really dive in but nonetheless i have been writing some articles um two have posted so far right. diary of a revived nascar fan uh, you can get those on bellyupsports.com as well and uh, appreciate your support on those things all right, uh, let's see here. SeatGeek.com, use the code BellyUpSports. RighteousFelon.com, use the code STOVE15, somewhere over there. STOVE15 at checkout for 15% off. And then BellyUpFantasySports.com, where you can get more fantasy sports information uh, through the Belly Up Sports Network. So a big shout-out to Eric Katz for joining us tonight. Belly Up Fantasy and Belly Up Media for the support of the program. Kevin Wilson for always being here ready to go as well. I'm Vince Stover. Until next time, we'll see you around the sports stove.